free agency is uh, kind of simmering down, but of course it's not out of the black just yet. Where does that stand for the Bengals, and what does that mean moving forward? Well, we've got that for you coming up right here. Welcome into another free agency off-season edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad with Andrew Gillis. And uh, if you can't tell already, my voice is a little bit gone because welcome to allergy season in the tri-state area of uh, Cincinnati. So we're going to get through this. I got through it yesterday. Uh, Had some cough syrup this morning. Going to have some more later. But we're going to get through this. We're going to do great, Andrew. We're going to hang tight. You got me? Let's roll. As long as your voice doesn't give out, we're good. All right. Yeah, let's get into it. So like we said, we're sort of in what you could call tier four of free agency right now. And before we get into sort of the other external uh, players that we haven't mentioned and that we have mentioned uh, for the Bengals, I want to kind of take stock of, you know, who the Bengals have in-house from last year uh, who's currently a free agent. So just to go down some of the names of uh, Bengals from last year who are still free agents, you got Eli Apple, uh, quarterback Brandon Allen, cornerback Trey Flowers, tight ends Mitch Wilcox and Drew Sample, and linebacker Clay Johnston. I would be shocked if Johnston didn't come back because, you know, he was a mostly special teams player last year, played a little bit of linebacker the year before when he came to Cincinnati, but I would think they keep him on a short-term deal. We've talked about Wilcox and Sample. I think ideally you bring one of them back, could be Wilcox, might be Sample, um, and Mike has said this, and I agree. I think Brandon Allen's a guy that you'd be remiss to not bring back. I would think that's a guy you want to keep. I could see the Bengals not doing it. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. But at the same time, I don't know if it'd be the best decision. But the two names on this list that we haven't talked about, at least recently, uh, are Apple and Flowers. You know, with Apple, I just realized this, Andrew. He hasn't, at least from what I've seen with reports, hasn't visited other teams, hasn't entertained any offers. Um, same thing with Trey Flowers. I, unless it hasn't been reported, uh, these guys haven't really been courting anything with you know, teams outside of Cincinnati. So it makes me wonder, I guess kind of two parts here for you. Number one, do you think Eli Apple is going to have a choice other than coming back to the Bengals as an insurance option for Chidobi Awuzie's ACL? And number two, do you think the Bengals can bring back Trey Flowers on a budget deal and add some depth in the slot corner position? Um, well, so right now at corner, um, you know, you've got uh, Cheeto and Cam Taylor-Britt and Mike Hilton. Those are your, those are your three. Uh, Mike obviously plays the slot, and you've got a direct backup with him with, uh, with Jalen Davis in the slot as well. Uh, so your slot cornerback position is taken care of. You got Cheeto, you got Cam Taylor-Britt. Uh, you still have Alan George. Um, so there's five. So it, I, it, it's going to be kind of one of those questions where you're not going to carry seven in a season. You're, you're just not going to do that. So are you going to draft a guy that, you know, can come in and play special teams, can come in and kind of be uh, maybe a bit of a development project? There's a few different examples that you can you can kind of use for that and say like, okay, you know, maybe this is, you know, I, I guess your own little Nick Scott, where you um, you know you draft him, he's going to play some special teams, and you kind of hope you can develop and develop him into a starter as it goes along. But um, yeah, it, it's a tough it's a tough ask right now because if you do bring in an Eli Apple, um, you know if you do bring back a play uh, a Trey Flowers, 
that's not a guy that is going to come in and be guaranteed playing time. I think, you know, that's probably something that, you know, they would like. They would like to kind of have a, a freer chance to playing time, uh, a freer opportunity. So uh, we'll have to see. But, you know, it's going to come down to whether you think you can get a veteran in there that can uh, – or, a, excuse me, a rookie in there that can do the same thing that a veteran would do. And we'll talk a lot more about the the current – uh, positions of need in terms of like most important to least important, kind of like we ranked a few weeks ago. But I'm just curious because I mentioned this, I think, not long after locker room clean out when we were talking about the big names, you know, for free agency, like well before free agency, like we're talking basically the beginning of February. And I was wondering if Eli Apple was not going to be able to go anywhere, not because of his stats and his numbers, which I mean, we could agree weren't the best last year, even though he rebounded in the second half of the season. I just wonder how much the social media and the controversy he brings with that, I wonder how much that turned a lot of teams off. Because here's the thing, you know, if he had come to Cincinnati and put all the stuff from New York behind him, all the stuff from New Orleans behind him, and I guess even Carolina for as little as he was there, put all that behind him. You know, cleaned up the Twitter, the burner accounts, whatever, although I don't think he has one. Maybe he does, but his main Twitter at least, and just cleans all of that up. I wonder if teams look at him and say, hey, like, he's playing the best he's played, even though it's not the best play amongst his position, uh, amongst other players. And then, you know, hey, he's cleaned his act up. Like, he's not the dude going on Twitter and, you know, quote-unquote, like Landon Collins said in New York, being a cancer, which he was not in Cincinnati, and that's why I think the Bengals would want to bring him back. But, like, how much do you think that that might actually be screwing with Eli Apple's prospects right now? Uh, not, I mean, not a ton. If you can play, you can play. Uh, you know, I think if a team is going to look at Eli Apple and, and they're going to say that, you know, this guy can help us in 2023 and, and beyond – uh, I think that you you take that chance. Uh, I just think you're kind of at a situation where a lot of teams are kind of like the Bengals right now, where you're looking at it going, okay, like, you know, this is a decision to make because we're, you know, we might have to kind of give up on a younger player and bring in a guy who might cost or who will cost a little bit more than uh, than a rookie that you could get in the mid-rounds. You know, I think there is a point to be made there, too, because, like, maybe those, you know, said teams, whatever they are, I don't know who they are, like, these so-called teams could be looking at, like, you know, Eli Apple saying, yeah, you know, his Twitter is reckless, but, I mean, he hasn't burned any bridges in the Bengals locker room. You know, Chidobia Uzie said, like, that's a guy who he considers a close friend. Um, Camp Taylor Britt called him a mentor, and this was all during locker room clean-out after the AFC Championship. So, I mean, he's in great standing in the Bengals locker room. Lou Anarumo loves him. You know, he said last week, like, you know, Eli's my guy. So I think when you hear uh, those comments from his teammates, from Luana Rumo, who has a longstanding relationship with him, I think there's a good chance he comes back. The question is, does he come back because he wants to be in Cincinnati? Or does he come back because, you know, other teams just don't entertain the possibility? Even if they are, like, in the same boat that the Bengals are in right now, they're just, you know, going to maybe look at him with a lot of question marks, like with his on-the-field play. Because, again, like he had the highest missed tackle percentage last year. Um, you know, he was getting burned by practice squad players in his old, you know, stadium in New Orleans. So, like, he didn't really play, again, the best ball of his career, but not the best ball of someone in his position. Like, you know, there's nuance there. But I think with Trey Flowers, that's kind of an interesting case because, like you said, like the Bengals aren't going to go seven deep. 
um, at corner because, like, you got what? Hilton, Davis, uh, Taylor Britt, Awuzie. You have Alan George, who I don't know if they elevate him to the 53-man roster next year, but you have him. Um, so, yeah, it's like there, there's a lot of guys there, and there's a lot of depth, which is good. But the thing with Flowers is, like, even if he comes back, does he want to come back and be a sub-package you know, corner who goes against tight ends like he did last year because the Bengals don't really do a a three four a four three they do a five two and they use flower they use flowers as like that third linebacker unless they played a triple option defense where they brought in Marcus Bailey. So like, does he like Andrew Rumo's fit? Does he want to be a part of that? or Does he want to go somewhere where he can be a starting slot or you know get more snaps as a slot corner? But looking at you know cornerback amongst other positional needs you know like i mentioned uh, a few moments ago like we were ranking uh, the most important positions you know from most important to least important in terms of like positions that have an area of need where like they have to fill this position so like i think you know before free agency around the combine you know we ranked tight end cornerback linebacker you know defensive tackle but that's obviously changed because they brought back Jermaine Pratt and they signed Orlando Brown and Cody Ford. So I think these are the five areas of need the Bengals have. And then what I wanted to ask you, Andrew, is out of these five areas, what are the most important to the least important? So I think obviously tight end is still an area of need because you have a lot of free agents like Wilcox and Sample. Hurst is gone. Running back because you don't have some AJP Ryan. Uh, safety because, again, you know, they got Nick Scott. But I think they could use a little more depth, you know, behind Dax Hill and uh, Scott. And then you have cornerback because, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Eli Apple and Trey Flowers. If they leave, then that becomes an even bigger area of need. And then defensive tackle because, obviously, DJ Reader's not getting any younger. Uh, and you want to have reinforcements behind him and DJ Hill, who's also not getting any younger. Um, so first off, before we rank those positions like do you think those are positions of need or do you think there's other positions of need that I didn't mention yeah I, I mean to me that that kind of um that kind of encapsulated encapsulates it I would also throw tackle into there um just because even if you know even if Jonah Williams is is on the roster um you you still need an answer for for 2024 I think I you know I, I can't imagine that you know, I mean, maybe things get mended over the next, you know, year. But, uh, you know, right now you've got Jonah Williams who wants out now. And, you know, that that's just not a position you want to be in. So to me, I, uh, I, I think tackles a part of that list too. And, uh, you know, depending on if Jonah Williams is here, if Jonah Williams is not, then, uh, then, you know, then you're getting into some, some pretty dicey waters if, if you're going to move him this offseason. I don't think they are, but, uh, yeah, t- I think tackle is also an addition there. I think that's fair. I, I didn't include that because, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Jonah Williams, like you said. But, I mean, you also made the point of if he is back, actually, yeah, I mean, whether they keep him or not, it's going to be a position to be because if you lose him, okay, you might need another tackle, but if you keep him, He's probably not going to be back next year. It's like a Jesse Bates situation, kind of like it was last year when they got Dax Hill. So fair enough. So that's six positions of need, tackle plus the other five I mentioned. So Andrew, out of those six positions, what is the priority of attacking those groups from most important to least important? And by the way, this isn't just the draft. It could be if there's somebody left in free agency the Bengals can make a move on. 
you know, and or the draft, how would you rank those uh, positions from most important to least important? Yeah, this was hard, um, you know, because I think you can make a really good case for a lot of different ones because I think, you know, I think you could make a, a strong case that, you know, running back is their biggest need right now in terms of you, you look at the roster, look what they've got coming back, look what they had leaving, and I think you could make a case for, for running back. But, you know, there's a lot of positional value stuff into that too. Um, you know, where does, you know, where does the pass rush rank into that? Like there, there's different areas of that, that I think, um, that I think were hard. So, uh, you know, I could be convinced of, of, of kind of changes here, but, uh, number one, I actually went defensive line. Um, I think you've got to improve your pass rush. You were 30th in the, or excuse me, you had 30 sacks last year, uh, which was not good enough. Uh, it's 29th in the league. Um, you know, you look at, the two teams that made the Super Bowl, uh, the Eagles had a ridiculous number with 70 sacks, uh, but then the Chiefs were second with 55. Uh, Dallas was third with 54. Like those are those are teams you you want to be like. You know those are those are teams you want to emulate. Um, so I think that you know obviously there's a lot more that goes into defensive line play than just getting after the quarterback. Uh, I think you can kind of see that with like Sam Hubbard. You know he does a lot of things well. But I, you do need to boost your pass rush. I don't know if it's defensive tackle or defensive end, but I think you do need to kind of add something on there that uh, that is going to help you get after the quarterback. Uh, tight end is next, frankly, just because you don't have one. Um, you know, you don't yeah. you don't have a tight I'm end that can Devin Asiasi. <laughs> yeah, like you, you've got Devin Asiasi, but I think he's kind of more of a role player. I think you need another. Drew Sample, Mitch Wilcox type of of player in in the in the room, uh, and then you can go ahead and draft somebody, and then you're feeling good about it, um, you know. Because again, you could draft uh, Michael Mayer in the first round, you could draft uh, Sam Laporta in the second or the third round. Like, th- there's different ways to go about this, but I think you need uh, probably two, actually, definitely two. I would say tight ends, kind of going into camp. Uh, offensive tackle right now is third for me. This one I would say is kind of like a tie with running back. Um, you know, Jonah, if Jonah Williams is, is moved, then this probably jumps really, really high on the list. This might be number <laughs> one. Um, you know, cause again, I think, you know, the Orlando Brown signing was, was, uh, was a smooth move. I think it was a, a nice signing for them kind of solidified the short and the long-term position there with a player who's, who's pretty good. Uh, but you know, now you've got a question at right tackle and that was kind of what you had going into this off season. You didn't really know what was going to happen at right tackle. So I think, uh, you know, if Jonah Williams is still around, that kind of opens the door for a second, a third, maybe even a fourth round guy that you can, you can draft and say like, okay, you know, this is going to be a, uh, you know, this is going to be a development year for this player, and we can we can go from there. But uh, if Jonah Williams is not around, that's that's a big that's a big need. Obviously, uh, running back is next. Uh, I think it's like I said it before. I think it's pretty clear they're going to draft one uh, and, and probably draft one fairly high. Can't imagine they're adding a sixth round running back to this group. Uh, so I, I think running back is there. And then the last two, you know, the last two are, are strictly depth. You know, I think you need another safety, somebody that can come in and play special teams, um, you know, maybe start in a pinch if you had to. Uh, so, you know, that strikes me as a mid-round guy. Corner, kind of the same thing. You know, I laid out the the five corners that you have. Um, 
if Cheeto's not going to be healthy for the season, you know, that, that kind of obviously, or at least healthy for the beginning of the season, that kind of obviously boosts the importance of that. But so, yeah, I, I think that there's, it's an, it's a unique question because there's a lot of different things and I know I've been rambling here, but uh, you know, I, positional value is a really unique thing in the league right now. Um, you know, with just kind of how devalued running backs are and, you know, but the Bengals need a running back. And, and so how do you kind of, how do you kind of value that against, you know, the pass rush and things like that? So again, I would say defensive line, tight end, offensive tackle, running back, cornerback, and safety in that order. All right. That is actually a very interesting list. And you laid out some pretty, pretty good arguments there, Andrew. Um, and I think, you know, my, my list is not too different, actually. Um, I have a few differences, I will say, but it's very similar to yours. So what I had from most important to least important, um, starting with, you know, number 28 overall pick in the first round, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say tight end. Um, I hear what you're saying about the D-line. I do. And the Eagles, I get their D-line didn't look very good in the Super Bowl, but it got up to the Super Bowl, and it almost won them a Super Bowl. So I'm not going to sell them short. But, you know, at the same time, the Bengals got to the Super Bowl last year. And, I mean, with respect to Trey Hendrickson, who had a franchise year, like he broke a you know record for most sacks and a Bengals season and like Sam Hubbard probably played just as well, if not better in 2021 than he did last year. But I think with tight end, you just have more holes there. Like what if you lose Wilcox and sample? Like what if they let both of them walk and they think they can get, you know, like whatever they would pay Wilcox and or sample, they can get even less on a rookie contract, especially when you got Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, who could either or one or the other or both be for the taking at 28, I think it's unlikely you see both. One of them has to be gone, and you very well could see both gone. But, like, I think if it's 28 and you got one of them up there, especially Mayer, which, you know, we, we did a whole podcast on him, you know, when you were at the Combine, I think you got to go for a guy like that. And I'm not just saying that for the feel-good story of being from, you know, Independence, Northern Kentucky area, but he's the best tight end in the draft, and that's just on top of that. Um, however, I will actually say – um, I would put running back at number two uh, because even though it seems like you are going to bring back Joe Mixon, you know, I think if they were going to cut him, it would have been done by now. And, you know, he was his name was cleared from the shooting in front of his house last week. So he's in the clear in terms of like criminal charges. So that's not hanging over his head or the Bengals head. So, you know, I think he's going to be back for at least another year in 2023. I understand he wasn't as effective, though, and that's why I think if you get another guy behind him, whether it's Jameer Gibbs, and I mean, it wouldn't be B. John Robinson because you're looking at a second, third-round pick at this point, Zach Charbonnet, Devin A. Chain, you know, those are the guys I'm thinking of at that point. Um, I think you, you need one of those guys, not just because you want to have someone behind Mixon who can add that juice that maybe Mixon won't have in 2023, but you just lost Samaj P. Ryan. You know, Samaj P. Ryan, I've said before on this podcast, is a fullback not named a fullback. I mean, fullbacks don't really exist anymore in the NFL, like you said. Um, but if there was one, like if the Bengals had a fullback, it'd be him. If we're in the Marvin Lewis era 10 years ago and they had Brian Leonard, that's Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, the way he stiff arms guys, the way he played for Nixon when he was hurt. And on top of just the way Joe Burrow made him better. Like, I get running backs – you know, when it comes to like their stats is separate from the quarterback, but his receiving game, not much different. 
Uh, I mean, it was much better, like because of how Joe Burrow played better. So you got to replace P. Ryan. You need efficiency behind Mixon. So I put him at number two. Uh, number three, I am actually with you on this one. I say offensive tackle. You kind of explained that already with the Jonah Williams situation, which we're going to talk about more later this week on the podcast. Um, at number four, this is where I get the D-line involved. Here's why I have it ranked so much lower compared to like tight end and running back and offensive tackle. Like I said, there's a chance that after 2023, you don't have Trey Hendrickson or DJ Reader or BJ Hill because Reader's going to be a free agent. Hendrickson could be a cap casualty, and he's going to be, you know, 30 before 2024. Like before the year after next year, he'll be 30, and he's already, you know, pretty expensive. Sam Hubbard's going to be around for a few more years. He's a little bit younger, so he's not going anywhere. Neither is Osai, but I mean, Camp Sample, who they drafted in 21, like you said. Um, he's going to be a free agent in 2024. He's that project type player who hasn't quite been, or actually he'll be a free agent in 25. I had it mixed up, but either way, he's not getting any younger, like, and they're not really getting much out of him. So if you're not feeling good about Cam Sample, you're not, you know, feeling good about keeping Reader and Hendrickson, you get somebody, but like, look at Zach Carter. Was Zach Carter, like what people are saying about Keanu Benton or some of these other, you know, D line you see in the draft? No, I think those guys are respectfully better, but you got to look at a guy like Carter. They drafted him, you know, late in the third round. He comes in when DJ Reader tears his, no, I misstated that. He injured his knee. He didn't tear anything. Knee injury, six or seven games fills in, does well enough. It was a big drop-off between him and Reader, but I think he can get better next year. I think those reps are going to help him, and the Bengals can do that with another guy where you get him in the middle of the draft, treat him like a development project, like a Cam Sample or a Zach Carter or even a Joseph Asai. Same with a defensive end, maybe if you don't want to go D-tackle, a three-technique D-tackle, you go D-end, edge rusher. You know, because like I said about Sample, maybe he's not working out. You don't know what it's going to look like with Jeff Gunter because he didn't really play much. So. I think there's more room to work with guys later in the draft at that position. I mean, you've got Yaya Diaby from Louisville. He had a great combine, and I've talked with him, and he seems like he could be a good fit with the Bengals. But then, yeah, I also have uh, the same final two areas, cornerback and safety are my last two. Um, wait, did you actually, did you have cornerback and safety or safety and cornerback? What was the order again? Uh... Oh boy! Cornerback and safety, right? It was. I had a list. I wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I had safety last. Yeah, same here. Okay. Yeah, I like you said because I mean you've already got Nick Scott, Dax Hill, Tyson Anderson. You can go a little bit lower and kind of get like you know like the Rams did in 2019. Get your quote unquote Nick Scott and develop that guy and you know make him a special teamer like the Rams did with him before he became a starter in 2022 and, you know, got paid in Cincinnati. Uh, cornerback, I mean, you could actually make that one higher. Like, I mean, I had it at number five. You could put it at three or four. I just think, like you said, like if you bring back Flowers or Apple, you're already six deep. Seven is already a lot. And you have Alan George, who was like practice squad-ish until he got called up late in the year. So I think cornerback's not too big of a area of – worry but I mean, what, what do you think Andrew does that kind of make sense or where, where do you think that you know like do you think maybe it's a little bit unrealistic to put running back higher do you think the D-line can be as low as I had it like what do you make of that um you know with again it's it's a it's a tough question to answer because it's positional value because again like if you were to look at the two positions and kind of not factor anything else in 
yeah, running back is is the bigger need. Uh, you need somebody uh, who can, frankly, I think, kind of play a 50-50 split if needed uh, with with Joe Mixon. So, you know, that's that's a pretty pretty large need kind of, you know, a week or whatever it is into free agency. Um, but again, the D like the D line, you, you need to get after the quarterback. Like those are the plays, you know, everybody talks about, Oh, you know, this team was one play away from winning the Super Bowl. This team was one play away from going back to the Super Bowl. Well, those are the plays that get you there, you know, a sack on a third and four, you know, when, when the chiefs or the bills are driving or, you know, like think about that last drive in Kansas city. Like if you get one sack on that drive, Kansas city is in, you know, they're not in deep trouble because the game was tied, but Kansas city's having a much, much harder time driving down the field. If you get a sack kind of, you know, force them into a bad spot, you know, maybe they play for overtime, depending on what it is. Like, all it takes is one play like that to kind of turn a game. So I, I, I still think, you know, D-line is up there. But, I you know, the, I mean, the argument is there for running back just because, frankly, it's the bigger need in a vacuum. I just don't think you can take that in vacuum. Okay. into uh, into consideration because of, you know, you, you need pass rushers and you need to get after the quarterback in this league. Yeah, I mean, the vacuum part is a good clarification. But it's funny because on that note, I was on Twitter earlier – uh, James Repeat from All Bengals tweeted that B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs, who I mentioned, uh, would provide a lot of value at pick number 28 for the Bengals. But then Jermaine Pratt replied, which, I mean, the guy is just something on Twitter. Jermaine Pratt is a great guy, but interesting tweets. He replied to James Repeat saying, in his exact words, I'm, I'm pulling this up, he said, Gibbs would be crazy, isn't what he responded to Rapine. Um so I think Jermaine Pratt's already sold on him. Maybe Jermaine Pratt would lean towards my argument of getting, you know, running back a little bit higher, even if it's in a vacuum. But uh, Jermaine Pratt, he's he's going to be fun to talk to for the next couple of years. But when we come back, we're going to keep talking a lot more about free agency, uh, setting the stage for the draft with all this positional need, uh, and wrapping up what's been a crazy week one and maybe really an overall agency uh overall period of free agency i should say plus much more to come all right here on the strictly stripes podcast hey there it's muhammad ahmad from the strictly stripes podcast and if you're still wondering what cincinnati football insider is listen up it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the podcast and the reporters who cover the team Here's how it works. Andrew, Mike, and I are going to text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and all the insights you need to know on the Bengals. It's better than social media, and being a Cincinnati football insider is the best way to participate on this podcast. Text us directly. Again, a great way to cut through the clutter of social media for only $4.99 a month. Now, you're still not sure if you want to do it? Listen up. If you want to, just try it for two weeks. If you don't like it, just text the word stop at any time, but you won't cancel once you join. To get on board, text 513-940-4193 or go to cleveland.com slash bangles. Click at the blue banner at the top of the page. It's a great time to join as we're bringing you everything you got to know on the draft, OTAs, mini camps, and everything coming up in the next few months. So give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Again, just text 513-940-4193. It's interesting what's on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So 
yesterday, Andrew, we talked with Mike about, you know, mostly about, you know, the Nick Scott signing, the Dax Hill question, the uncertainty of Tyson Anderson. So basically safety talk. Um, but what got lost in all that noise was the re-signing of Max Sharping, who, you know, obviously, as people know, the Bengals got off of waivers last year right before the season. A little bit more pricey for a waiver pickup, but they, they had faith in him. I don't know that the faith paid off because when Alex Kappa went down and he filled in for Kappa, I think the, the number of sacks Burrow had in the playoffs spoke for itself, with exception to the Buffalo game. That was probably one of the exceptions. But anyways, it wasn't great. Um, it was not good. And I'm not saying it was just sharping, but his, his numbers – whether it's PFF or just pure film, it wasn't good. I mean, whether it was Chris Jones or, you know, whoever was on that line, they got to him. Um, and, you know, on, on the flip side of what you said, like, yeah, like defensive lines win championships. Well, I think you also have to have pass protectors who don't let those D linemen, you know, try to win championships for your opponent. So when you think about that, that actually makes the Bengals really stacked at right tackle. Like if I'm reading off the depth chart, specifically at right tackle from top to bottom. It's Jonah Williams, who, like we said, has been moved there because of the Orlando Brown signing. Lyle Collins, still injured from his MCL-ACL tear. Cody Ford, who they signed last week from Arizona. Hakeem Adeniji, um, who was their swing tackle. And then Deontay Smith, who, with all due respect to him, has basically been a field project at this point uh, when they drafted him from Coastal Carolina three years ago, two years ago. So that's a pretty loaded, like, right side. Now, the rest of the old line, your depth is pretty much settled. Jackson Carmen at left tackle, Trey Hill at center, Nate Gilliam at right guard, unless they want to move one of those guys at tackle to guard. Um, and then, yeah, Max Sharping, I would think, is going to be behind, um, blanking out here, Cordell Volson. Who knows? Or maybe they put him at right guard and Gilliam's behind Volson. But... That's a lot of bodies at right tackle. That's a lot of names. Do you think that increases the argument for cutting one of those guys, whether it's Collins, Adenogy, Smith? It's not going to be Ford, obviously. They just brought him in. But do you think there's going to have to be some tough decisions made in that right tackle room? Well, I, I don't know if it's a right tackle room. I think it's an offensive line room thing. You know, you got your five starters, Brown, Volson, Karras, Kappa. Assuming Jonah's back, let's say Jonah – uh, then you got Carmen six, Sharping seven, Hill eight, Ford nine, uh, Collins ten, Ade- and, and this is I, the depth guys. I'm not putting them in order. Collins would probably not be ten, but Collins ten, Adenogy eleven. Like you, I, I, and this is before a you know. Do they draft anybody at, at you know an interior spot? Um, you know, what if Jonah Williams gets moved? Do you draft a tackle? Like there's a, there's a lot of kind of variables here that you have to take into account with the offensive line. Um, you know, I think you you kind of liked what you saw from Jackson Carmen at the end of the year at tackle. Uh, if if you still have Collins and Ford, I, I mean, you would probably have to think that Ford would not only be a backup tackle, but he would kind of be your your utility lineman. Because uh, you're not going to carry three backup tackles on an offensive line, so I, I think that um, it's an interesting mix. And like you know, they've played Adenogy at tackle, but I, frankly, I don't see how he fits into the mix at, at tackle at this point. I think he's going to have to play inside 
because if you're going to go Brown, Carmen, Williams, Collins as your one-two on the left and the right side, well, Cody Ford, they kind of view him as a right tackle. And if they put him at tackle, there's five. You're not carrying players that are going to play six. So Adenogy, if he's going to earn his spot, he's going to have to play in the inside. So it's just it, there's a lot of bodies and a lot of things to figure out here. So you're saying – Adenogy, who was the swing tackle, they move him back to the inside, which is where they had him that Super Bowl run. He started at right guard. You move him behind Alex Kappa and then have Sharping behind Volson and then have Ford as your swing guy. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, and it depends on numbers too. Like if you if you like Adenogy as an interior guy, then yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, I think you can do that, you know, but if, if Collins is healthy, uh, it, you know, let's say by week four, I, you're going to have a roster. There's going to be a roster crunch at some point. And I think Collins's injury kind of, kind of plays into this because, you know, if he's still on the roster and he's healthy by like week four, week six, week, whatever, then it, you're going to, you're going to put him on the roster and you're going to have a decision to make. And there's going to be a decision to make because you're probably going to have too many tackles. So, um, I think I think right now it's kind of, you know, you look at the interior guys and, you know, Carmen's obviously played on the interior. Adenogy's obviously also played on the interior. There's there's options there. You know, you can you can have five different guys that can play five different positions. I'm sure you just rather have a guy. OK, he's your swing tackle. He's a backup guard. You know, he's going to play left or the right. You know, this Trey Hill can play center. They, I'm sure you like to have some kind of delineation as to as to what these depth guys' roles are. And I think at that point, you'd probably have to, unless you want to just have an extra tackle, like for depth, you'd probably have to, you know, put Deontay Smith on the practice squad because that's kind of what happened at defensive end last year. Like, yeah, Jeff Gunner, Khalid Kareem until he got picked up by the Colts, um, Joseph Osai, and then your starters with Hubbard and Hendrickson. They had to put, you know, Khalid on the practice squad because they had Gunter on the active roster because Khalid was on the IR. That was a weird situation, but, I mean, he's on the practice squad. Bengals lose him. Colts pick him up. You know, he's got a nice opportunity there. But I wonder if that's what they're going to do with, you know, the offensive line is, like, you know, get guys like, you know, Deontay Smith or, you know, I wouldn't think of Denigy. I think he'd still be moved on the inside. But you get one of those guys – amongst like the other backup tackles they have on the practice squad and put them there. Um, yeah. And he just got, man, the Lyle Collins thing. Like that's just, that's another big thing is like, do you make him your swing tackle and then just make Ford like the backup to whether it be Jonah Williams or if Williams isn't back, then I guess, does he just back up Collins? It, it's just so hard to say because, and we're going to talk more about this later this week. I don't want to get too much into this, but like the Jonah Williams situation would probably answer a lot of these questions of like, who's your swing tackle? Does Hakeem Adeniji move inside? You know, where do you put Cody Ford? Is he your swing tackle? Is he a backup tackle? He's also played guard. Do you back him up at guard behind Kappa? But the good thing for the Bengals is, you know, I don't like to call it a good problem because the Williams situation isn't great. At least you know you have depth, you have numbers, you have bodies, you have names, which really hasn't been the case since Joe Burrow's been there up until maybe last year, and that didn't even kick off right away. So it's, it's again, not a good problem because problems aren't good. Maybe that's a paradox, but it's 
it's not the worst thing in the world, I think, for the Bengals. So I think with that, uh, to kind of put a bow on this, um, this podcast, but uh, really more than anything, just kind of final reflections and predictions with, you know, where we are in the free agency period. Um, yesterday, we did our grades with Mike. You graded the Bengals. We're talking grades in terms of how the Bengals did in free agency. You graded them with a C. Was it a solid C plus? Or it was a C? a C plus. Is it still a C plus a day later? Do you still feel that way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that would have changed that opinion. You didn't sit and think, oh, well, maybe the Nick Scott signing was better than I thought, or not no, as good no, as yeah, C C plus is kind of where I'm at, and uh, you know, it, if you add a tight end, you know, maybe you're croaching into to B minus territory, but uh, I think I'm, it it it's not really going to move a whole heck of a lot, or at least I can't imagine it moving a whole heck of a lot here over the next couple of weeks. So my question then is. And we've said his name enough. And enough. Actually, no, I take it back. We haven't said his name enough times. We haven't talked about him enough, as all the way we've mentioned this guy a bunch. But uh, Foster Moreau visited the Bengals last week, visited New Orleans, where he's from, the Saints. Um, played with Joe Burrow in college. I mean, who wins the Foster Moreau sweepstakes? Because it sounds like it's either going to be the Bengals or the Saints from what I've been seeing. I mean, do the Bengals have a real shot at winning the Moreau sweepstakes? I mean, I don't know if it's like I don't know if you could really consider it a sweepstakes um, because I don't I can't imagine he's going to be signing for for a whole heck of a lot of money. I mean, Dalton Schultz just signed for one for a one year deal upwards of nine million dollars. Uh, you know, if if you bring in Moreau, I think you know you, you'd be betting on kind of two things: one, a player to take kind of an elevated role, but again. If he were to do what he did in in Vegas last year with thirty three catches, four hundred and twenty yards, like I think you'd take that because, like I said, I think it's pretty clear that this team is going to draft the tight end. So for me, I think um, you know, I think with Moreau, I, I, it, it's going to be a a signing to where you know you he's not going to come in and he's not like the he's not going to be a starter. He's not going to play like a Hayden Hurst role where he's a number one because I think there's there's more tight ends coming. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he'd be a nice depth piece. I just, I, I just don't know how big of a deal it would be. Yeah. I, I don't mean to say that like, it's going to be the biggest, coolest, craziest thing in the world. Maybe that's where like sweepstakes was kind of the wrong word, but just the bidding, like who's going to win the bidding. Cause like essentially free agency to an extent is like the highest bidder wins. It's not always the case. It doesn't always come down to strictly the dollars. But, like, in this case, it, I think it could unless he wants to be closer to home, closer to family. I could see that being really alluring. And, I mean, you also got to remember, too, I'm dumb. I just made this connection. Like, who's the Saints quarterback? The same one he had for the last three years, Derek Carr. So, I mean, you could be with the same quarterback you've had in your hometown, in the Superdome. Like, I actually, now that I made that connection with Derek Carr, I would think he goes to New Orleans. If I'm just guessing, this isn't like an internal sense, but I mean, the Joe Burrow effect is also real. I mean, he got Hayden Hurst paid. He got CJ Uzama paid. Because, I mean, look at Uzama's numbers before Joe Burrow and after Joe Burrow. Clear-cut difference. Hayden Hurst had one of the best years of his life. And Foss Moreau could too, but again, if – you know, the Saints win bidding in terms of your home, you're with your quarterback. That's a tough sell for the Bengals to beat, but who knows. Um, but I think that's really the only other thing I would watch for the Bengals. I don't know that they're going to really pursue any other names. I mean, I think Brown and Scott were the big ones. 
you know, the only other action I would see is like which of the tight ends do they re-sign, which we've debated whether it's Wilcox or Sample. You know, do they bring back Eli Apple? If not, do they bring back Trey Flowers or neither and why? Do they retain Brandon Allen for a fourth season? All of that is to be determined. But stay with us. Uh, This week we're going to focus more on mock drafts the draft, uh, and the big question with Jonah Williams, which we talked about last week. We're going to talk more about what his future could look like and what that situation could evolve or devolve into. But once again, for myself and Andrew, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you on Hook Day.